0: So recently, Nancy and I welcomed to our home a new couple that's moved to Noblesville. I had run into this gentleman at an uh, activity in our community, and we kind of hit it off and so said, we should have our wives get together. And so we decided instead of just meeting at a restaurant, let's then bring them into our home. So Nancy planned a simple lunch, but made sure she had to go to the store uh, the day before to pick up a few things. And uh, she wanted to make sure that those things were prepared fresh, so that morning she had a little extra stress as she was putting that stuff together. Uh, I had to uh, get busy sweeping those high traffic areas to get all that debris from our dog going in and out, and went outside and got the blower and blew off the patio, and of course, the patio tables always got a little bit of that grime that comes from our atmosphere. I had to wash all that off. And uh, it was a little bit of stress in preparation, a little anxieties. We welcomed this uh, couple into our home. Matter of fact, I think Nancy and I had a little spat that morning, but uh, we got we got over it. Uh. But the couple came. We had a great time. got to introduce them to some of the things that's so special about Noblesville and Hamilton County and... And we had a great conversation, got to know them better and look forward to getting to know them <clears throat> in even deeper ways. But I share that because I would suggest to you that the same kind of <clears throat> preparation and anticipation to make sure that they felt as at home as possible in our home is the same kind of hospitality we need to consider with our church home. When God blesses us with people in our worship spaces or in our ministries at Teeter or wherever we're at, do we make sure that when someone comes, especially for the first time as a worship guest, do we make sure they feel welcome, that they feel in place like this could be a place where they could call their spiritual home? And that may sound pretty mundane, pretty obvious, but you know there's a a little bit of science out there that suggests that it's harder than you might think. That there's this... uh, instinctual protection that goes on in our brains that when we meet a stranger, that natural fight or flight chemistry is going on all the time. It's what was helpful to our ancient ancestors to survive, It helps them be alerted when there's danger from another tribe or when there's wild animals they need to be afraid of. It was important to them. The challenge is, is that it seems that that chemistry is still a part of our brains and kicks in even when many of those threats are not a part of our modern society. So these are physiological realities. We believe it's the root of xenophobia, prejudice, But, you know, it affects us every time we meet a new person. We have this built-in fear of strangers is what I'm suggesting to you. And we have to overcome it every time we meet a new person, even in a safe environment like our church sanctuary. I've noticed it in myself that when I'm introduced to a new person and they share me their name, you know how many times I forget that name within seconds? I've been told that what's going on is that my mind is all so actively focused upon do I make a good impression, are they going to like me, and I'm also immediately evaluating them, to kind of deciding are they a safe person, are they somebody I want to get to know, and all that's happening so that your mind does not register that name in your brain. I've learned if I've got a fighting chance of remembering the name, I have to ask them a second time, so I kind of make that my second practice, so if I do that to you, that's... What I need in order to try to remember you. Well, I believe this deep seated tendency is why God spends so much time in the Bible talking about welcoming the stranger. We find it over and over again. That mandate, it's part, I think, of God's plan. That's why God made a covenant with Israel. He tried to create a special people and bless them so that they could be a blessing to others, to the rest of the world. God was trying to establish them. He gave them the Torah law that taught them how to treat one another, how to make sure that their their society was equitable and just and compassionate. And then the hope was that they would transform the world. And sometimes they did that, and often they did not. I think that's why God brought Jesus along, to expand that mission and purpose, to, to continue to transform our world, through us. And so that mandate is so much there. The mandate to welcome within their borders the stranger was built into their Torah law to treat their immigrants as citizens. It was a part of God's critical strategy. And you know, Israel was the perfect nation to do that through, because they knew like no one else what it was like, because remember, They were slaves in a foreign land as well. They were slaves in Egypt until God set them free. And the Passover meal that they used to remember that helps remind them of that responsibility. You heard that mandate in just the three scriptures that Pastor Aaron read. You know, there are 46 verses in the Bible that speak to how we welcome strangers. And then it's it's continued in the New Testament. Jesus often took his ministry out of the regions that the Israelites were a part of. Places like Samaria where he met the woman at the well and treated her with great respect. Jesus said, let the children come to me even though they were just considered property and sometimes nuisances in their society. He taught us to feed and clothe the hungry. And then he told that Story the Good Samaritan. And, you know, that story is deep enough. He could have just simply told that story about the man being beaten and left by the side of the road. And he could have had a good Jew come along and take care of that person's needs. He could have let the victim be the Samaritan. And that story would have been hard enough to hear for the average Jew. But then he added this twist to it. Then he made the hero of that story a Samaritan, a foreigner, someone that was despised and hated by most Jews, just to drive that point home in a powerful way. So we should not neglect these passages. Even the Hebrews passage, I find kind of intriguing. Have you ever had somebody just come into your life so quickly and exit so fast? It's like a momentary response and something that happens in that interaction is so profound that it feels like an angel. Whether you believe in supernatural beings or not, somehow it rings true when we read these words. Some have been host to angels without knowing it. Imagine all of us have had somebody that have come into our life at just the right time, given us just what we need And you realize that God has used that person to bring us what we need to experience. And it makes me wonder how many times has God done that and I'm not even paying attention. That God's got some gift for me or something for me to give to another. And I've totally missed it because I'm so focused or too busy on my own needs. Well, I hope these passages and the many others that you will read in the scriptures will call us to welcome the stranger And encourage us to work for policies that treat all persons, regardless of where they come from, as persons of sacred worth. Now, I do not like wading into politics. But sometimes when you read your Bible, you can't help it. And I'd be remiss sharing what I've shared today, especially the scriptures that we've experienced. If I don't say something about what is a hot potato, in our news today. And let me say this, immigration is a complicated issue. I don't have all the answers. I just know we need to do better than what we're doing right now. I plead with all sides on this political debate. Put your differences aside. Quit treating human beings as political footballs and find some meaningful solutions to both secure our borders and to treat people in a humane way. I think it can be done. With that said, let me focus on what we can do right here and now. You know, one of the questions that I ask people that say they'd like to become connected to our faith community, I always like to find out what brought them here. And then I ask, and what made you stick here? I asked the same question when I first came to Noblesville first, and we had like 20 meet and greets, got to meet over 200 people. I asked the same question. And the answer that you get, sometimes we hear people say, well, the music program. Kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? Or they'll say, I love how this church is trying to impact the community, trying to make a difference in the community. But you know the answer I get most most of the time, somebody will actually name a human being that greeted them so well on the first Sunday they came here that they came back. Matter of fact, I remember someone telling me that I came to this church in 1969 and so-and-so, they named the persons all these years later. That person is what caused them to stick and stay here. Now, that means that one of you could be the person who helps launch someone else on a sacred journey where they find their spiritual journey starting here and growing and deepening, changing not only their life but others' lives. You could be the person that welcomes so well somebody that they come with the next great ministry that we need to start here because they bring the gifts that God wants us to have To expand and develop that. What I'm saying is. Hospitality is everybody's job. We have a great hospitality coordinator. Brooke does a wonderful job. We now have a connect first team. That meets once a month. And they pray over all of our first time worship guests. We even talk a little bit about. How can we get them connected. But there is no substitute. For having someone that's in the same general vicinity of a new person reaching out and making sure they feel welcome. Or somebody that's keeping their eyes out. When somebody walks in the door and you can tell they're just a little lost, they're not quite sure where to go, that goes and reduces that level of discomfort and says, hey, can I direct you where you'd like to be? Every single one of you is the greatest asset that we have in this church. So, if hospitality is everybody's job, let me give you your job description. And some of you have heard this before. i preached on this before. But this is too important not to make sure it becomes ingrained in our DNA. It should be in everybody's mind each and every Sunday. So 510 Lake, can you remember that? Repeat after me. 510 Okay, let me tell you what it means. Five minutes before the service starts, And five minutes after, your mission is to make sure you're looking for somebody you don't know very well, and you go and introduce yourself, and it doesn't matter if they've been here 30 years and you didn't realize it. Just say, I don't think I've gotten your name down yet, okay? That makes that all better. Now, I know how we are as human beings. I know you want to grab your friend before they get out the door. But, you know, if they're really your friend, they'll stick around, okay? So go find somebody you don't know that first five minutes before the service, the first five minutes after. And then talk to your friends. Ten is the number. If anyone comes within ten feet of you that you don't know or looks like they're by themselves, not connected to someone else, you stop whatever conversation you're in and you go and introduce yourself. And that means if you're in a group, you may have to say, oh, 510 link, excuse me. They'll be there when you get back. And then the last thing is link. Link. That means you connect them and you ask some good questions and get them to know them well enough that you can connect them not only with you and your experience but with someone else because if you talk well enough and listen well enough, you'll discover something about them that you know they have in common with someone else here. It's amazing how easy that happens. Let me tell you a story. My brother called me uh, last week and said, Jerry, i got a story about our grandmother. I'm thinking, what? Now, my brother recently took a trip up to Iowa because our family has donated a 1920 Minneapolis Moline that our father had to the Purdue Extension Agency that works with the Indiana State Fair. So, if you go to the Indiana State Fair, you'll see this tractor there each year, donated by the Riordan family. Well, this tractor is so unique and so rare that they invested $15,000 in it to fix a cracked block. And they have sent it to other places, like this exhibit that was in Iowa, that was at 100th anniversary of this particular series of tractors. Well, my brother's into history, and he wanted to see this in action. And so he took a trip up to Iowa all by himself. Didn't know anybody there. And let me tell you, my brother's a lot like me. He's kind of introverted. He's basically shy. But he's learned to do what he needs to do to make connections and be successful socially. So Don's up there, and he's uh, talking to people, and he sees one tractor, and it says the family's from Colorado. I think it was they lived in the Denver area. And he goes, goes and says, oh, our, our, my mom's family's from eastern Colorado. And they said, well, where? Well, Yuma, Colorado. And they said, well, we used to live in Yuma, Colorado. And so Don starts to explain, well, yeah, our our grandmother used to live downtown Yuma and moved out just outside of town, just in a lane that's just past the county fair. And they lived on the very end of that lane. And the woman says, was your grandmother Mrs. Stone? Yeah. Well, let me tell you a story about Mrs. Stone. Turns out this family lived on the other end of that lane, And her two children used to go down that lane and cut through our grandmother's yard and cross the railroad tracks as a shortcut to school. And she explained that at first our grandmother was a little mean about it. (laughs) She she didn't like kids running through her yard. And Donna and I said, whoa, that is so like our grandma. (laughs) And then this lady went and knocked on her door and introduced herself, said, those kids have been running through your yard. Those are my kids. I promise you, they won't do any harm to your yard. It just makes their life so much easier to cross through there and get to school much faster. And so from then on, Grandma Stone was just fine with it. Now, what a gift that was. My grandmother's been dead for 20 years to hear that little flash from the past, and it only happened because Don had the courage to reach out and talk to people and link. So 510 link, got that down? And let me close this message with one very important thought. You need to realize that we live in a culture now that's not very churched. On a given Sunday, only 17% of the U.S. population is in church, 17%. 53% of people report they seldom or never go to church, which means you guys are countercultural. Did you realize you were such radicals? You're going against the grain. It also means that when someone comes here for the first time, it's a big deal. They're not just casually church shopping, checking things out. They've come here for a reason. They're looking for something. Life has driven them here in search for something they don't have in their life right now. And the question is, will they find it here? People are coming because they lost a loved one and need help fill in that void that's now in their life. People are coming because their teenage child is acting out and they don't know what to do. People are coming because they've moved to this community and they want to make some friends so that life will be full and enriching. People are coming because their spouse told them this week they don't want to be married to them anymore. People are coming because they see all that's wrong in the world and they'd like to find some place where they can do something about it to make the world a little more compassionate and just. They're here because they recently got a notice about their health and they realize they're not going to live the rest of their life. And they want to make sure there's something after that. And so the question is, is if they come with those needs, will they find what they've come looking for if they sit beside you Will they find the warmth of friendship when they walk through our doors? Will they find someone that will tell them about our student ministry programs or tell them about grief share or divorce care, that there are places you can find help? Will they find someone willing to make room in their life for one more friend? Or will they find someone who may not know the Bible inside and out, but they're willing to share how they have found the love of God? Christian hospitality is the job of every one of us. The Bible tells us over and over to love the stranger. Every one of us has that sacred opportunity to share the love of Christ in the very moment that they might need it. Will we do it?